This is episode number 243, What Makes a Fulfilling Life, with Emily Milo. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming conversation that takes place every single Friday, which is part of our weekly series called Survive to Thrive Attitude of Gratitude. What this is, is a weekly conversation that we started approximately three to four months ago with the intention of creating a space for each and every single one of us to explore the connection between gratitude and grief, gratitude and resilience, gratitude and relationships, gratitude and potential, and many other topics. If this is of interest to you, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to see the latest details about the upcoming conversation. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show and in regard to our work. And that is, if our work has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today so we can continue creating and sharing these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. How are you? Hello, I'm great. <laughs> and you did a great job with my last name. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tricky one. The worst pronunciation I've ever gotten, which I've gotten on more than one occasion, that I was introduced in front of a room of easily 500 people as Emily <laughs> Malicious. And I hope <laughs> that anyone knows uh, that knows me um, or, or has seen some of the stuff I put out there, I hope that I'm never associated with malicious in their minds. Uh, <laughs> although now I've created that association, but um, you did a phenomenal job. <laughs> That's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, yeah. I've learned it through my own trial and errors when it comes to my <laughs> my own first name and last name. True. I, I've come to a point, and I'm curious to hear how you do this personally, but I've come to a point where if someone butchers it, I don't even take the time to correct it anymore. Um, because at the yeah. end of the day, I just realized that in many of the situations when people butcher your name, they will most likely remember it by the way that they pronounced it at the first time anyway. So That's I just, I just let point. it go. Like I, I, I don't even take, I don't take that personally. There were times when I used to take that personally and, you know, have all these other words for why the person mispronounced it. But then I just realized it's like, <laughs> what's the point? Like, I'm just, I'm just wasting energy. Uh, trying to correct someone when they already have kind of a fixed way of saying it. And so it really doesn't even matter what I say after a while, because that's the thing that they're going to remember. It's a good point. Although thank goodness uh, that LinkedIn now has that option where you can listen to how somebody pronounces your name. I don't know if yeah. you caught that and I need to figure out how to do it. So everybody tell <laughs> me how to do that, but you can add a recording of your name and um, and I have certainly benefited from that for 
other people's maybe trickier to pronounce name, but that's, I think, an awesome feature. Uh, but I'm with you. It's yeah. not worth fighting that battle unless you call me malicious. <laughs> <laughs> then we need to talk but uh, otherwise i'm with you I, you know i'll take whatever uh and it, as long as we can um you know enjoy the conversation together which i know we're gonna do today what's the meaning of your name what does emily mean to you oh emily i thought you were gonna ask me <laughs> melius because of course that's my married name which is a name that i've had for almost 14 years now but all i know is that it's welsh the name of or the meaning of Emily is actually actually um, uh, I think it's hard worker. All the uh -huh. Emilys out there, give me a shout out. Let me know what, <laughs> what this means. I would like to think that that is is appropriate. Um, I think like industrious comes to mind. This is so so interesting that you asked this question because I'm I'm having to go way back to like my elementary school uh, middle school days where you would go to all those tchotchke kind of places mm -hmm. and they would have those um you know just again tchotchkes knickknacks and they, but they would have them by your name you know you have to find you like twirl through the rotating rack and you'd find your name and it would have what your name means and i used to do that but gosh it's been years now now i have to go look that up after this conversation <laughs> but i hope it means all things amazing and fulfilled mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I was just I was just curious because I was having a conversation like this with a friend of mine and mm -hmm. I found out that my name <laughs> my first name I think there were a couple of things around it like holy and blessed mm -hmm. and then the uh the last name it had something to do with being uh head of a river and I, and I've I've heard that a couple of times from people this uh reference to water and I, I don't know like what the actual meaning and significance is behind water. You know, I know that, um, I don't know if you know, uh, Bruce Lee, he used to talk mm -hmm. about like water quite a bit and being in one with water, but I never really had the time to dive in and like understand what, what does that even mean to begin with? Yeah. Well, and I'm sure it, it's a lot about what that means for you, you know, how you interpret that and how you embody that. Yeah. So that's a, that's a journey that I will embark on right after this conversation, but yeah, keep us posted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that we're able to do this and, mm -hmm. and create this space around this concept of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And I figured that the best way that maybe we can even um, approach this particular conversation right now is by exploring the question of, are you fulfilled in your own life at the current mm -hmm. moment? For me personally? Yeah. I love that you asked that because I constantly feel convicted by that question. And it's a question I ask myself all of the time, because for me, that's a matter of integrity. You know, I can't be out there preaching to everybody else about living a fulfilling life if I'm not doing that myself. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not perfect and I fall off the wagon. So am I fulfilled 100% of the time? No. Um, but am I working every day to make decisions to put myself back in alignment with my unique skills, passions, and talents? Yes. And I know we'll probably get into that, but that's my definition of fulfillment. I think for a lot of people, fulfillment sounds nice, but it also sounds really abstract and hard to pin down, but it's really as simple and sometimes as hard as aligning your career and life with your unique skills, passions and talents. And I can say on the whole, um, I absolutely have the wonderful privilege 
of living a fulfilling life, but it takes work. It's much like, it's much like being healthy. You know, you can't just um, get to a place and say, okay, I've arrived. You know, I'm, uh -huh. I'm a healthy person. You have to keep working at staying healthy, right? Every day you have to make healthy decisions about what you eat, um, you know, what you put in your body, how you move. Um, you know, there, it, it's a series of small daily decisions that maintain this place of health. And it's the exact same thing with fulfillment. You know, there are certainly big decisions that can have um, much bigger impact, but it's a series of daily decisions. What do you think brings you that fulfillment? Uh, for me, a lot of it is my work. I mean, I love what I do. I mean, almost to a fault. I, I am somebody, I'm certainly no workaholic, but I love what I do so much that it 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 can be hard for me to turn it off. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think about it in the evenings. I think about it on the weekends. I get excited to do stuff. I mean, I do get tired too. It's not like I could do it 100% of the time. Um, but my work just brings me wonderful fulfillment. Um, but it's not just because I'm passionate about what I do. Again, that's only one third of the equation. And I think a lot of people get misguided in over-focusing on that passion piece. You know, if I just do what I love, I'll never work a day in my life, right? That's a that's a popular saying. But um, I actually posted just on LinkedIn today, so you all can go check it out, that passions aren't enough. Doing what you love on its own is not enough. Now, I'm not saying go do something you hate, right? So the opposite... Okay. It doesn't work like that, but yes, you need to love it. Yes, you need to be passionate about it, which thankfully I am. I mean, I, I'm paving my own way in life, so I get to choose that, which is great. But I'm also doing something that honors my unique skills and expertise and experience and training. And I do things in a way that comes most naturally for me. I have the freedom to take action and get results according to my instinctual way of doing that. Mm -hmm. So um, if, if I didn't have all three pieces together, it, it wouldn't be working out for me. Why is passion not enough? Because um, if you're somebody out there who got into an industry or a company because you loved the mission behind it, but you got in the wrong job, you know exactly why passions are not enough. Passions get you in the right industry. They do not get you in the right job. And Oleg, I've seen um, too many people mm -hmm. not only lose the passion, uh, but actually become bitter about that thing they once loved because they were forced fitting their efforts into the wrong role. Mm. Or again, they just didn't have the skills and capabilities to do their job. So uh, it robbed them of all their confidence. So, um, you know, I kind of call it like operating on passion fumes. You've only got so much in the tank. And if you're just, you know, operating on fumes, you're going to run out of, of fuel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, passion just can't take you the whole distance. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I've been exploring that whole concept for quite some time, mm -hmm. the, the whole uh, concept of passion and purpose. And trying to understand what is the difference, and and to what degree, um, can you rely on the on either one of those, and then where do they fall short? Because I I've heard similar things, especially in regard to like motivation and inspiration. Yes, yeah. Motivation, it's not enough because it's it's enough to get you. It may be enough to get you started. Started, yeah. But then after that, I think there's something that's unique that happens, and it's probably the form of discipline and and 
uh, finding consistency and whatever else that plays a role. But I'm glad that you shared that because it, it really, um, it helped expand my own perspective around it. Help me understand that it, passion might be enough to get you started in, in as far as exploring the different fields. But outside of that, there is, seems to be another set of skills that one has to develop. Right. It, it, passion gets you started, but it doesn't keep you going. So this actually, what we're talking about is, is actually a pretty sophisticated um, science process. So our brains, to go from resting uh-huh. to purposeful action, go through three stages. So you hit the nail on the head. The very first thing that has to happen is you have to have motivation, which is synonymous with passion and beliefs and values and um, you know, engagement. So that's the spark that starts the fire. If, if any of you have teenage kids, you know that um, if they're not motivated to clean their rooms, it's not getting clean, right? So, um, and there's plenty of things that, um, you know, we, if, if you don't care, it doesn't matter how skilled or talented you are, you're not going to put any effort in. So that is the very first domino that has to fall to get us from doing nothing to getting a result. But again, there's plenty of passionate people that don't get to that end result. And I mean, there's only so much time in the day. I have got lots of passions, but I don't get results in all of them. I have to make decisions. So then the next domino to fall is the big one that everybody misses. It's a third part of your mind that you've probably never heard about before. It's called conation or the conative part of the mind. It's not your left brain. It's not your right brain. I call it your back brain because it's actually in the occipital lobe. It's the most primal part of your brain. It's one of the earlier parts of your brain to develop, which is why we call it your instincts. So your instincts aren't your personality and it's not um, your skills. It's not why you do things. You know, Simon Sinek has got us all thinking about our why. It's not that. It's actually your how. So Oleg, I know you and I are both really passionate people. I know we've got a lot of skills and capabilities and you and I might strive towards the exact same result. But I have a hunch that the way I get there is different from the way you get there. Right. And it's not like my way or your way is better or whatever. They're just different. So each one of us, every single human being from birth is hardwired with this pattern of taking action. And it, we call it RMO. It's um, something that's measured by a company called Colby Corp. They're the only organization to measure it, which is why I really enjoy using their tools. It's, it's great insight. But this pattern of taking action that is instinctual, um, you know, it's something that we, we we don't have to follow it. We can do it a different way. We can force spread our efforts, but there's tons of friction in that. So that being the second domino to fall, once we're motivated, my next question is, in order to be fulfilled, do you have freedom? Do you have freedom to operate in your own way? Because mm-hmm. if you don't have that freedom, it's it's a ticking time bomb there. It's unsustainable. There's only so long that your brain actually can maintain that. And then the third domino to fall is our um, reasoning, our evaluation, our skills, our experience and training. So I could be highly motivated. It could align with how I naturally do things. But if I have no idea, like, I, I mean, I can't go to the hospital today and show up to be a surgeon. I have not gone uh-huh. to medical school. <laughs> so Um, It's really the three dominoes have to fall and they have to fall in that order. And just like dominoes in real life, if the first one doesn't fall, the third one doesn't fall. 
So that's, that's exactly what you're identifying when you're saying, you know, there is something to this purpose, there is something to this passion, there is something to this motivation, but it's not enough. You're absolutely identifying the mental process that you're subconsciously going through. Mm. Every time you do something as small as buy shampoo, or, um, you know, make a major career decision, you know, both anytime you're striving, anytime you're going from nothing to a result, those are the three steps your brain is going through. And just like breathing, you don't think about it until you can't, right? You don't, yeah. you haven't been thinking about breathing this whole conversation. I haven't. But if you were for some reason restricted from breathing, all you could think about in that moment is breathing, right? Mm -hmm. It would suddenly be all of your attention. And so that's what I see happens is when we're in our stride, when the dominoes are falling well, when we're um, operating in alignment and fulfillment, um, we just do our thing, right? It feels great. We don't always know why we're getting that result. When people feel it and know it is when there's a break in the chain, right? When, when they're experiencing that friction, they become so hyper aware of something being broken. But sadly, most people don't know that framework and they don't know how to diagnose the real problem. How do you process the, the whole concept? You mentioned this a couple of times, having multiple passions. So whatever it is that you're passionate about now, I, I'm sure that there are multiple other things that I don't even know of or those that are closest to you. When it comes to that, how do you how do you use the reasoning and saying, I'm going to pursue this passion and then I'll put this one on the back burner, so to speak. But, and then within that, is there ever a concern of the fact that whichever passions you choose to put, put on the back burner, you may never pursue? Yeah, that's a risk we all take. Um, I love that you're talking about this Oleg because it's so important to say and to recognize and be okay with really um, and, and maybe even give ourselves permission to have our passions evolve. You know, the, the two parts of the mind, which are the bookends of that domino process, what motivates you, what you're passionate about, maybe even your purpose, that changes over time. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's fixed about you. So I find that encouraging because, you know, maybe in the past you haven't really found that thing, but it might still be evolving and you're evolving. That's okay. Um, but that isn't a forever thing. Um, also, your skills aren't a forever fixed thing, right? Those evolve, those change. You can gain new skills. You can forget things. I studied eight years of German, and <laughs> I'd be hard-pressed to put together a sentence embarrassingly, so I lost all that. Um, so it, that's okay. You know, I think sometimes people feel almost this undue pressure to, like, find their passion for life, right? And, and I right. would say... What is your passion right now? What do you love? What are you fueled by now? And, and just focus on that until the next thing comes. Now, you're right. Sometimes the answer to that is multiple things. And what I would say is remember the fact that we have finite mental energy. Just like physical energy, it runs out. Right. I, I am not a runner. I wasn't gifted with any athletic abilities, as my husband <laughs> would tell you. Um, but I have seen the end of a marathon. Right. I know what it looks at the at the end of the race. And um, when when those runners cross the finish line, they are almost falling over the line. Right. 
and they get finished and they sit on the curb, they're panting, they're drinking water, they have to sit down and rest, right? No amount of wanting to run another marathon or maybe even having, you know, the training to run another marathon is going to let them because their bodies are saying, yep, I'm spent, I'm done, right? Their physical energy ran out. And while that sounds more obvious, I think when we think about our, our physical limitations, mm -hmm. I find people don't translate that as well to the thought of our mental effort limitations, our striving limitation, mm -hmm. because I'm a type AAA personality. I'm, I'm super um, overachieving, ambitious, whatever, whatever labels we want to say. Um, and I think just maybe more of an American mindset, if you will, is that like energizer bunny, right? We can go, 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 and then go some more. Well, your brain's not going to cooperate with that. You don't have endless striving energy. And so we either have to make the tough choices about which passions we're going to pursue, which activities we're going to do, where we're going to commit all that mental energy, or your brain's going to make it for you. And you're probably not going to like the decisions that your brain makes on your behalf, because what that looks like is actually burnout. So um, it's not a question of if you're going to decide where to allocate your mental effort. It's um, really where, or are you going to make the decision for yourself? Or are you going to allow that to devolve to a place where your body actually screams out and requires you to stop? Do you find that the American culture of go, go, go mentality, is that in alignment with your own version of what fulfillment looks like? Or do you have to break away from that at times to kind of find your own pace and your own alignment? It definitely um, is different. I, I, because of all the things that I just said, I mean, we cannot go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And I love the conversations that are happening around work-life balance. Now, um, if you're unfulfilled in your job, in other words, if your job does not honor your skills, passions, and talents, then it's almost impossible to sort of balance that out with enough rest, right? So um, you need more rest and you need more downtime, but um, you absolutely have to get that alignment right when you are striving, which is probably at work, um, mm. to make to to make that work ultimately. But yeah, I mean, it, it, if you're even if you're in alignment, you can't work twelve hours a day, five six days a week. I mean, it's just your brain's going to go in the blah mode. And for those of you that have done that, because I know we've all pushed at times and yeah. some people, you know, don't always have the choice to, to do that. And I, I admire and honor the people that are pushing well past that, you know, natural point. Um, Cause I know they're working hard, but yeah, we, it, it, we just, you have to stop. Um, you know, one, one of my favorite, quotes is from Kathy Colby, who, who does all the brain research on conation. And her, her favorite uh, saying is do nothing when nothing works. And there's so much power uh, in doing nothing. And I mean, like, yeah. really doing nothing. I don't mean spending your weekends cleaning out your closets, because you're not working. <laughs> I mean, like really doing nothing. And that is something I find that that people have a hard time doing. You know, that concept of a bunch of nothing. I mean, watch stupid TV, take a walk and have no idea where you're going. Um, try to, you know, play a game and don't try to win, you know, and those are hard things to do, but practice makes perfect. And if you practice doing a bunch of nothing and don't feel guilty about it, you know, that's a, you know, I think there's a lot of self-talk around that, that, that harms us. Don't feel guilty about it because 
By doing nothing, you're recharging the tank, which means tomorrow you can be uh, fully present and, and fully capable with the people and things you love most. Without mm. that, we're always operating on fumes and we're not really good for anybody in that instance. I think very rarely will you find me playing a game not wanting to win. <laughs> I know, that one's hard for me too. That one's hard for me too. The other two, when I'm playing my kids. <laughs> yeah. The other two I might be able to uh, yeah. uh, do, but but playing a game and not wanting to, to win, it, that's that's a hard one. And I think much of that is just because of how I've, I'm wired and how I <laughs> work on myself to be wired. And it's that competitive spirit that always exists within. Uh, I know that with my friends, <laughs> my friends and I, we joke about it now, but whenever we were younger, every single time we would play video games and we still do, you know, we, we can't play the game for the sake of playing the game. We, we have to put like <laughs> it becomes you know, intense. <laughs> five bucks or 10 bucks, like winner, loser pays because mm -hmm. otherwise, and, and I think there is, um, I think there is a healthy balance between doing the two, you know, not having that turn into a form of addiction. But in my opinion, whenever I played games and there was some sort of um, monetary outcome, so whether it was five, 10, whatever the amount may be, what I yeah. realized was that in having that work simultaneously with you as, as you're playing the game, in my opinion, it actually unleashes your highest qualities, your highest skills. Because then there's there's something else that you're playing for. There's something else that's like motivating the behavior. And for me, I don't know how it is for you or anyone that's listening. It's it's harder to put myself in that position when there is just like, you know, play for fun. Like I remember my mom sometimes would say that, oh, just go out there and, you know, have fun. Like mm -hmm. it's yeah. it doesn't matter if you win or you lose. But in my mind, I was just like, it does matter though. So you you went right back to the dominoes, mm -hmm. right? Because the first domino to fall is motivation, caring. And the higher the stakes, the more you care. Yeah. Which means the more you engage your MO, the more you engage your skills, right? So what I'm encouraging you to do, which I know it's super tough, but don't create high stakes right? Do something that doesn't have a desired result. Because when we up that um, all in factor, when we yeah. increase the motiv motivation, and by the way, when there's money involved, that usually brings out, um, you know, people's MOs and, and skills the most, you know, you really see it, right? Because that's something we care a lot about. So we, we up our game and the dominoes start falling. So don't tip over the first domino, you know, and, um, you know, really, it, you know, whatever that means for you. And, and if it's hard to just, you know, play the game for the sake of it, which I totally get, then, you know, find that activity that works really well for you. But I found it so freeing and so renewing to, um, you know, just to, just to do something with no, with no real end in mind. Um, recreation breaks down into recreate. Mm. So, you know, how are you, how am I, you know, how is everyone listening, recreating their mental energy? And you know, recreation is not called work, right? So how do we recreate by by freeing our minds, 
Um, actually, the five senses are one of the ways that we replenish our mental energy. So um, going on that walk, not knowing where you're going, um, taking in all the sights, the sounds, the smells, eating a fabulous meal, listening to a fantastic record. Um, I know mm -hmm. my husband and I enjoy records these days or, or a piece of music or listen to a symphony, which I know is harder these days. But, you know, really challenge yourself to be intentional about the non-striving time, just as intentional as we are about the striving time. Mm -hmm. Emily, tell us a little bit more about what it is that you have going on and how it is that you use everything that you just described in your own work. Yes. So for the past 14 years, I've been helping professionals create fulfilling lives and companies create fulfilling workplaces. Uh, because sometimes people perceive those things as competing with one another, but fulfilled employees are top performers. And um, I really do believe wholeheartedly that every one of us deserves to fill a purpose and not just a seat. Mm -hmm. So I use these concepts that we've talked about, um, not just every day, but really as, as the central theme to the work that I do. And um, I have a, a couple different ways that I can work with folks, but I would love for everybody to go to emilymelius.com and check out um, the, the, the programs that we have. I'll also mention that I have a group coaching program called The Fulfillment Factor. So if you're really serious about creating a work and a life that is energizing, satisfying, and fulfilling, be sure to check that out because um, that's the kind of people we want in the program because that's the kind of future that we're creating for ourselves. That's awesome. And I can definitely say that having known you for quite some time now, you're someone who's fully committed to your work and everything that you do. And so I just, I always appreciate the opportunity that I get when it comes to talking to you and learning more about your own experience and the different things that you have coming up. So just grateful that you and I were able to connect and, and have this conversation. Likewise, it's always fun. Let's do it again soon. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google. Last but not least, if our work has had any form of impact in your life or helped you see your world through a different lens, please consider supporting our cause by making a contribution or a donation through our website at overcomingodds.today. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next time.